Hi, welcome to episode 14 of the Youth Move Colorado podcast. Today, our podcast is a presentation about inspiration versus impact, and it is presented by Alicia Parham. The material and information presented here is provided by lived experience youth and for general information purposes only. The views, thoughts, and opinions expressed are of the guests of our podcast own and do not represent the views, thoughts, and opinions of youth mood. Hi, everybody. Hello. 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 How's everybody doing? Good. 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 Awesome. Awesome. I'm Alicia. Um, I do work for JP County, but I'm of here at Brighton Consulting Business, Prime Consulting. So, this is what we're doing. My work title, please. Um, okay, so we're going to talk about intention versus, versus impact and which one you choose. So, this is the breakdown of kind of like, like what's going to go on. So, can't see. Um, So we're going to do some overview and housekeeping. We're going to go through some definitions. We're going to talk about what the difference is between intention and impact and what does it mean? Um, Representation matters, social justice and at-risk youth. And then we're going to do a call to action. Overview and housekeeping. So in our time together, we are going to go over some definitions. Talk with your peers about one way you can engage in equitable practices at your job. Lastly, we are going to talk about why representation is important and what it means to engage in social justice, even when navigating an unjust system. So please take care of your needs. If you are not sure about anything, please ask. And then to reiterate what our business said, let's create a brave space. I don't use safe space because anytime you talk about at-risk youth or people's experiences, it is a brave space. It does not necessarily mean that it is safe. We're going to go through some definitions. Let's popcorn it. If you can't read it, let me know. Let's go, Ray. I'm going to have to come over to the front. Do what you got to do to see. Take care of yourself. Yeah. Here we go. Okay, so the first one is intention, an idea that you plan to carry out. Thank you. Can I have somebody read the definition of impact? Impact, have a strong effect on someone else or something. Can I have somebody read the definition of equity? Equity refers to fairness and justice. Equity means acknowledging we don't all start from the same place and make adjustments to imbalances. Can I have somebody read humility? Humility, freedom from pride or arrogance, quality or state of being humble. humble. All right, so before we even dive into this, because I'm like getting my master's in social work, can we do like a temperature check? Can I have like two people tell me like what kind of came up in your body as I even put the word humility on the screen? That's grateful. Grateful, shame. shame. One more person. Make space. Take space. I guess be giving the space to be vulnerable and kind of expanding out. Exactly. So to be honest, what's the difference? What is the difference? Intention is what you mean to do. The motivation or purpose behind interactions and conversation. Impact is what you achieve. The results of what you do or say. How words and actions are perceived. So oftentimes, and I use, this is like my unfortunately favorite example. Um, under my braids, I have locks and I keep my hair done. So when my hair is done and it's braided, people are like, oh my God, your hair's so beautiful. It looks really good when it's done. But when I have my locks up and they're brushed up into a ponytail or my natural hair is out, it's not the same reaction. And so your intention may have been to give me a compliment or to make me feel good, but the impact and how I perceived it did the complete opposite. That's the same when you're dealing with at-risk youth and when you're dealing with marginalized populations. 
No matter what you intend to do, it's all about how they perceive it. And if you are working with them and for them, right, you need to check yourself and you need to have humility. Humility isn't a bad thing. And I think when we hear humility, we're like, dog, it's over, like my pride, right? But it is okay to have bruised pride or to even hurt your ego to serve the people that you need to to the best of your ability. And that is to have humility. That is to make space to, for them to say, I actually don't like the way that you're doing this. Can we, and then you say, can we find a way to work together? Anytime you're working with at-risk populations and youth, it is a collaboration. You are not a savior, period. Right. Uh, so what does it mean to engage in equitable practices? So I do have some stuff up here. Um, if you don't know what equ equitable practices means, we can also go into that, but we also did the base definition of equity. So what does it mean to you, can I get two people, to engage in equitable practices? I do have some stuff up here, but cheat if you'd like. Uh, try to have your staff represent the youth that you serve. I like that. Yeah. Yes. Paying our lived experts for their time and expertise. Exactly. And what I like to say is my trauma is not free. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> By any means, and neither is theirs. Their trauma is not free. Even if they are you, their trauma isn't free because they don't have to share anything with you. Absolutely. Period. Anybody else? Yes. Having grace for everyone in the room and in the space to recognize that everyone's coming at this work from a very different perspective and all those perspectives are valuable. I think that's a good point. I feel like when we talk about this, we all we need to talk about the aspect of grace, to have grace on ourselves. It's easier to have grace for other people. But we, when we mess up, we're like, dang, like I could have did something different. Like I said something yesterday and I'm going to apologize for it. But in my mind, I'm like, bro, like I'm like sinning because I didn't recognize where they were coming from. And to me, I said something that was insensitive, right? So I have to have grace for myself that I came from a different background, but I also have to have humility and apologize even if they're like, it's not necessary, but I have to have that humility and say like, even if you don't think it's necessary, I could offend somebody and they <laughs> think that it's necessary, right? So I think I like that. Great. So engaging in, um, engage in equitable practices, you're going to ensure that every employee within an organization works on the same playing field, regardless of their identity. So racially, ethnically, orientation, and gender identity, we're going to do like skill-based hiring. So you're not hiring somebody based on like what they look like. Can they do what you're asking? Period. And if they can't, then don't hire them, right? Um, so you want to have people, and I think you spoke to this, Sarah, have people of various identities and position of power. I feel like oftentimes when we work with youth, there's a lot of, I mean, let's just call it what it is. We have a lot of white people in power, right? And then what if you put those white people in power in an urban or an inner city or in a different community? Is that, is, is that going to garnish the same response? And I feel like we touched on that yesterday, right? it's easier for youth to connect with people who they share the same identity with. Absolutely. Whether we like it or not. You have a statement? I want to come back to your skill-based hiring thing because I think I think that's a, a hurdle that a lot of us that are hiring face is it's very easy to hire someone that perhaps have, has achieved educational marks or goals that allow them to check a certain box and make sure the, the implementation is is done of a program, but it doesn't actually mean that it is done in a way that is conducive to the person receiving the service. Mm -hmm. And so when we look at skill-based hiring, we often, it's, it's easy to look at, do they have a certain educational or 
achievement that says they can they can meet the requirements of the position. And I think we have to turn it around and say, but are they actually serving the people we intend to serve in a manner that is that is in their best interest, not in the best interest of the organization? Right. So I think you spoke to a point of privilege, right? So when you when you go through a lot of hiring processes, they're like, you have to have this background of education. And it's like, but what if I'm just really good at what I do? So I feel like your speakers are a really good point is that a lot of people hire on the base of privilege. And as a black woman, and it, it took me a long time to understand this, right? Because I, for a long time, I was like, bro, like I'm oppressed, like we got to bar burn it down, right? But I also had to recognize my spaces of privilege. I have the privilege to have a bachelor's in social work and I have a privilege to be getting my master's. I have this privilege to be even standing here in front of y'all. I have the privilege as a black woman who's 25 to be working for a county. So I had to, I had to understand what my privilege meant and then I had to leverage it. People can always obtain education. There is money everywhere. Skills are not everywhere. And then skills with people who match up with the communities that you serve is also very important. They can have the skill and then you can help them obtain the education, period. Um, yeah, accountability is very important. Um, hold yourself accountable. Recognize when you have people in power who do not recognize the use that you serve and figure out how to mitigate that. Whether it's hiring more VISTAs, whether it's figuring out what youth in your community want to do, like internships, take accountability and recognize when you're not representing the population you're supposed to be serving, because that matters. And then have hiring process equipped for all persons. I feel like that's self-explanatory. If not, we can have a conversation. Uh, so representation matters. Representation matters. I am 25. The first Black princess I seen was Princess and the Frog. I am 25. The first, the second princess I seen was um, the Little Mermaid. How does it feel growing up and not seeing representation from our BIPOC communities? And if you don't know what BIPOC means, Black, Indigenous, People of Color. Representation matters, but let's accurate representation matters. Yes. Period. How would it feel if you were in a room and you had somebody that looked like you? Let's let's speak to the people who are minorities in the room. And when you were younger, what would it feel like to have somebody or a group of people who looked like you, who taught you, who influenced your life? Do you think that would have impacted you differently if you had more people who looked like you? Absolutely. And actually being in like these spaces, it kind of makes me feel small because it just feels like I'm kind of like compacted in this little square. And it's just like... <sighs> The way that I used to describe it when I was a kid, I felt like a token, you know, and it was one of those situations where it was like, when I did talk, it just seemed like, oh, you're, you're representing for the black people, it's cute, you know, and it, was, it just seemed disrespectful and degrading, so like having more representation and seeing like, oh, if she can do this, then I can too. And that's what I saw you and I was like, yes, I have to do this. Like, this is the reason why I'm, I'm here, you know? I appreciate that. Thank you. Um, it definitely took me a long time to get here. It took me a while to recognize that no matter where I go, I'm going to be Black. Right. If people who don't look like me are allowed to engage in my culture, why can't I? Right. Representation matters because it influences the youth. Youth who are at risk, if they see somebody who looks like them, even if they don't have the same background, if they see somebody who looks like them that holds power, especially because a lot of at-risk youth feel like they don't wield power, right? If they, hold, if they see somebody who looks like them that wields power, that gives them a, just a little bit of hope.
even if they don't recognize it. There's a, a model that talks about racial and ethnic identity. Um, I think it's by Erickson, if you wanna look it up, that representation is important. So let's get into social justice. Um, I know Mark wrote the fact that justice is very, is unjust. So we're gonna look at what social justice was intended to be, what they, what they wanted, right? So social justice is a political and philosophical theory that refers to a fair and equal division of resources, opportunities, access to wealth, social privileges in a society. Do we have that? No. No. Right, right, no. Not, not at all. I, I haven't seen it. Have y'all seen it? No. no. I have not seen it. Unless it's a person. <laughs> so social justice is not meant for the people who fall into the, the people who have been um, oppressed. Correct. Uh, so an example, and you can read this if you like, but we're going to... An example of social justice is human rights. So everyone is entitled to rights, freedoms without distinction of any kind, such as race, color, gender, etc. So why is it that we have a lot of youth who are um, marginalized? They don't receive as much services. If everybody, according to, to these people, if everybody is supposed to have equal division of resources, why don't the indigenous community have an equal amount of resources? Why don't the BIPOC community in general, the queer community, have an equal amount to resources? And it's supposed to be like this, right? So uh, we also have a right to participation, right? So the right to, to be empowered to make decisions for, for our people. Do we, is that represented in our GOP? No. I can't hear anybody. Is that represented in our government? No. If y'all seen it, please let me know. Yeah. And, and I apologize for my this, but I really want y'all to understand. The system that we work in is not just by any means necessary. And if you navigate any type of system thinking that it is just, you are causing harm. Because you do not understand you are ignorant. And let's just call it, you are willfully ignorant. In case you don't know, right, when the pandemic hit, instead of sending vaccines to our indigenous brothers and sisters, they sent body bags. In case you didn't see, George Floyd died on, on TV, recorded, and they played it multiple times. In case you did not see, when all that stuff was happening with George Floyd, we had missing and murdered indigenous women. And it's been happening. It's been happening. So if you believe, and it was crazy is I have such a confliction, because I'm like, bro, like, I really want to get into social work, but I decided to do it and as in a consulting, because I don't like the system. And I say that often. I understand the meaning of it, and I understand what it's intended to do, but your intention does not mean anything if the impact is greater. Next slide, please, and get up my high voice. <laughs> so as we all should know by now, the aspect of social justice as it is written has not been demonstrated. It is important that we understand the oppression of the system when encountering youth who are at risk, unhoused, and the youth who have marginalized identifiers along with being at risk and unhoused. Because safety for marginalized groups looks different. We can't generalize safety. Safety is a personal aspect. But if you have identifiers such as race, gender, sexuality, even being transgender, you are put more, you are at more risk. So to me, social justice is, is being an advocate. To me, social justice is understanding that I work within an unjust system. Social justice to me is recognizing that at any chance I get, I'm gonna call it the hell out. What is social justice to you? Think about it, talk about it. What does social justice mean to you? Because it's not the definition that they intended it to be. Next slide, please. Call to action. 
I feel like oftentimes we get into these spaces, we're like, yeah, let's do it. What the hell are you gonna do once you leave the room? Yeah. Excuse my language, but let's be honest, what you gonna do once you leave the room? So right now with your regions, I want everybody to come up with one call to action, whether it's recognizing that you have representation that does not match up with your community, whether it's recognizing that you do not engage in equitable practices as you should, whether it's recognizing that you yourself have also biases that you need to work on. A call to action can be whatever you mean, can be whatever you want in terms of what I talked about, whether it's defining what social justice means for your region and how you execute that, whether it's taking about whether it's taking back like let's let's figure out how to navigate this unjust system without falling prey to it because oftentimes we, we get caught up in a loop and we end up doing the same shit and saying the same stuff excuse my language the same stuff that people before us did so this is your time to make your call to action i don't know how many minutes we got one call to action is fine thank you